0: okay hello 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 and welcome back to the Dr. Chaos podcast as always I got my partner in crime my
1: good buddy Tony G. Tony how you doing? (laughs) I'm doing pretty good Amar wow we got three hellos wow (laughs) hello 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 I love that well I'm really
0: really happy to be here I guess
1: (laughs) yeah yeah I'm doing really well I'm trying to keep cool though Um, right now in northern California we got a bit of a heat wave uh well, yesterday, you know, where I'm at, we hit 110. I think we're going to hit over 100, you know, sometime, you know, today as well. So it's been a, it's been an interesting time here in Northern California. So are you, are you just trying to tell me that you believe you're hot? That's your opinion of yourself?
0: Caliente! <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you know, you know, Tony. What's also hot is all the data breaches that that's that's been going on this week, and everything that we've been hearing about. It. And we're gonna definitely talk about that. But before we talk about that, we actually have a a very special guest, uh, John Simmons, John uh, from Fortinet. How you doing?
2: I'm doing really good. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me.
0: Awesome, John. We're we're uh, me and Tony are pretty excited to have you on, just because of your background, kind of what you do. But uh, you know, uh, before I talk about that, why don't you just tell the world, like, uh, kind of what you do right now? You know, what your job is, kind of, uh, uh, kind of a little bit about your background.
2: Yeah, sure. So um, I am one of the principal consultants over at uh, FortiGuard IR. Uh, we do um, DFIR uh, consulting. Uh, so I'm one of the lead investigators. Um, I have a lot of experience doing this, been doing it for, uh, shoot, almost six, seven years now. Um, and so, you know, dealing with, you know, APT type cases, obviously ransomware is very rampant. Um, a lot of, a lot of ransomware cases, um, you know, corporate espionage. So, uh, and, and my background goes all the way back, you know, to I got my start really with the military. Uh, started off in the Marine Corps, just like Tony, Tony. Uh, So, uh, uh, yeah. So started off in the Marine Corps and was doing it and, uh, jumped over to the army, which I know Tony probably don't appreciate that. Uh, but, uh, so, uh, did a lot of time active duty army, um, you know, system administration and whatnot, went over to the white house communications agency. And that's where I kind of got my start in the cyber um, I worked at the White House, White House comms for a few years um, as an enlisted member and then jumped over, uh, you know, got out, and went into the reserves and went and became a federal civilian um, with the executive office of the president. So worked in the White House uh, um, sock for a while, doing incident response and then had to jump over to private sector, of course. So here I am
0: man that 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 is a really awesome background i I have to ask you like like and I don't know uh, you know how much you can say, but uh working at the White House sock like what is the difference between like the things you guys have to look out for and be be aware of from a cyber threat standpoint versus like a a sock you would think for from a global one hundred or fortune five hundred company
2: so yeah, you know that's it's an interesting uh conversation that because. You know, the, the great thing about being in the military intelligence community, we get access to certain things uh, that we call quote unquote high side. Um, and we're looking out for, you know, nation state uh, APT type uh, threat actor activity, mostly. Um, we definitely hunt for that a lot more probably than the uh, the larger, you know, private sector companies. Um, so that's a real concern. Um, you know, an OPSEC is always important. Um, so, you know, it's it's it's. It's um, it's a lot like, you know, the private sector where we're, we're looking for indicators and whatnot, but it's more just focused around uh, the nation state activity. And, you know, working in the SOC day to day is probably like most SOCs. Um, we just ingest some of that stuff in um, that we get from our high side or classified stuff. We ingest some of that stuff in and uh, hunt for that activity. And, and that, that really um, plays a big part in, uh, you know, helping out and making sure that, um you know our uh the white house network um is not dealing with an apt threat actor so uh, we, we we focus a lot on that but it's it's very similar to a lot of probably a lot of private sector socks
1: okay, john. So, john, I- uh, go ahead tony sorry i have a question on that one john i'm sorry. what we did see i mean at least i kind of see it over the years in my little view you know view of cyberspace is i they're kind of a. Uh, a lot of the same sort of, you know, you know, TTPs are kind of overlapping with, you know, cybercrime. I think in the past, right, you've had, they were sort of separate. I mean, you didn't see the same, you know, kind of tactics and corresponding techniques on, you know, nation state as you did to some of the, you know, criminals. you know, not, you know, nowadays, is it kind of blending where a lot of the stuff that, you know, you were looking for your, you know, your hypothesis on your different sort of threat hunts and have you, you know, working in the government side to where we are, you know, where you are now, um, is it the same or was it sort of different? Is there a blend?
2: You know, that's that's a good point, Tony, because it 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 has become a little bit blended because you know a lot of the things that um, have been disclosed about some of the nation states, you know, some of these cyber criminals are picking up on those techniques because they're obviously good techniques, right? They work, um, and and nation states do not want to get caught, so you know, criminals they don't want to get caught either. So they adopted a lot of those techniques that have become public. Um, you know, and so that we we are starting to see a blend. Um, and you know, as as tools are also leaked, um, you know, they're you know, mm. those tools are are available uh to some of the cyber criminals. Um, and you know, yeah, you know, going back to SoloWinds breach, I mean, that was kind of targeted towards really anyone that downloaded Solowins um and, and used SoloWins Orion. So um that that was pretty sophisticated and it kind of uh, targeted you know all sectors um you know so you know we we are starting to see a little bit of a blend uh between um you know different ttp's um you know back when i was there uh, a lot of these you know cobalt strike and a lot of these things that were used um you know were, were were being used by you know some of these apt threat actors but now criminals are using them all the time
1: yeah
2: it makes sense
0: you know, you know, I wanted to ask you, John. Uh, just taking a little bit of a step back, uh, you know, you know, you, you're, you know, working as an IR specialist right now. What does that look like right now? Like, uh, like, like you, you get engaged. Like, hey, someone has a data breach. What's like the steps that you, you normally do to get engaged? And like, how exactly are you solving the problem? Figuring out how they got breached.
2: Yeah, that's a great question. So when, um, you know, when we have a customer that gets breached or someone that needs uh, incident response services, we're asking a lot of questions. Um, You know, we're asking, you know, how big their environment is, um, how many, you know, how many, how many endpoints, how many servers, uh, you know, do you have, uh, you know, if it's ransomware, obviously first thing we're asking for is a ransom note because that can, you know, uh, lead us, um, you know, to maybe who the threat actor is and what they're after if they, had double extortion take place where they stole data, um, so we we ask a lot of questions in the beginning, um, and then you know it's it's all about containment also in the beginning. You know if there is a live ransomware breach, um, you know things are propagating, you know things are going down. There's a lot of uh, you know containment activity that we have to do. So you know shutting down servers, shutting down backup servers. You know, shutting out a domain controller, maybe, you know, that's that's some of the steps we take. If it's an APT, a lot of times, you know, you know, the customer wants to get rid of them immediately. And we have to take kind of a different approach because APTs typically have dropped uh, numerous backdoors and they don't want to go anywhere. They don't want to be kicked out of the network. So we have to practice a lot of what we call in the you know government uh, operational security, OPSEC. And we have to make sure that we don't, you know, tip our hand and let the threat actor know that we're on to them. And we have to observe for a while and then get all their back doors and then you know can what we call a uh um we, we we develop a remediation plan and we have a day that we kick them out of the network all at once and that way we permanently kick them out and and so they don't come back in so it did it depends um you know on what type of threat actor we're, we're dealing with and so we have to ask a lot of questions to kind of identify that in the beginning. John yeah, you
1: know on, on that real quick <laughs> yeah sorry Mario. I wanted to <laughs> I wanted to follow you know, follow up on that. Uh, <laughs> and we were, you know, sort of, you know, talking a little bit, uh, you know, off, uh, you know, sort of before the, you know, the recording um, about, uh, you know, some of the actual sort of like tendencies, you know, you were talking about, um, you know, being able to contain and what have you. Um, yeah, can you share a, a little bit with the audience and maybe, you know, the audience that's kind of listening, they may already kind of be aware of all this, but it's always, it always surprises me um, at some of the maturity of these organizations when it comes to them actually getting hit with something, they kind of typically want to, you know, skip all the steps and go straight, you know, to recovery. Can you share a little bit of insight on uh, kind of what you're seeing there?
2: Yeah. So a lot of times, you know, I mean, especially, you know, businesses that that deal in profit and, and are looking to make money and they're losing money because of a data breach or ransomware, a lot of times they, they want to focus and like you said, skip steps and they want to go straight to recovery. Um, so it, they don't want to do the analysis. They, want, they don't want to figure out kind of how they got breached and, and what they can do to fix that. They go straight to uh, trying to recover their environment because they're losing money or they're, you know, maybe their bosses are yelling at them, trying to get their stuff back up. Um, so it's, it's very interesting that, that you know, we're starting to see this kind of shift where, you know. Customers are expecting to get breached. They just want to recover and they want to skip all these other steps, and we have we have to pull them back and reel them back in. But like, look, you know, if you do that, um, you may get breached again in a couple of days or a couple of weeks. A good case in point is recently uh, we had a situation like that where you know there was a in what they called an infected environment, and then they had a clean environment, and they were getting told um, by their leadership that they needed to get to the clean environment, get their stuff back up, and we cautioned them not to do that. Um, And uh, an hour later, they got back on the call and said, yep, as soon as we started standing things up, we got uh, ransomed immediately. So, you know, you have to do that, you know, that investigation to kind of determine why you got breached in the first place, because there may be something that's automated that's going to, you know, ransom your machines, you know, constantly. So, um, and there's probably other back doors in the network that that actor can say, oh, they're trying to stand their stuff back up. Let's just rerun our ransomware script.
1: So. Yeah, that's the point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like even if we say, hey, I'm gonna stand up a clean in you know, environment. I mean, I'm I'm all I'm all for that as well. But I think what happens is when you set up you know these environments, um, you know, the comp uh, you know, the networks in general, I mean, are very complex these days. And you, and not all organizations understand all the actual connection points and the interdependencies. And you you stand something up sort of, you know, almost you know, thinking it's a clean network, and then really. The, it has you know direct access to the other environment where the adversary has you know some type of command and control and then next thing you know the right. entire environment hey on the um I wanted to ask you one more kind of question here and I think Amar and I were on another I don't know, the interview or a podcast that you know we did and I kind of sort of brought up where you know you know we do see or at least I've kind of like seen for, you know, quite some time. And I, you know, I read a lot of the reports and whatnot, but what have you, and uh, you know, what we're sort of doing and what have you. And, you know, just in general, uh, you know, over the years, I've, it seems like there's a shift, not, not, not really shift or maybe an increase in the adversaries establishing, you know, C2s uh, from the, uh, you know, from the environment, you know, it's almost like, they're kind of banking on multiple C2s as their uh, persistency, right? So instead of taking some type of scheduled task or, you know, some kind of entry into the, you know, run one sort of registry or what have you, they're, they're establishing six, seven, eight different connections out, you know, just kind of banking on, hey, look, man, if they kind of get one of them, hey, you know, we got six, seven left. You, is that sort of a trend um, you know, do you see that? Um, just want to get your thoughts on that.
2: Yeah, with you know, a lot of times APT threat actors that was kind of their common TTP: drop as many backdoors, try to, you know, maintain that persistence. And I think you know, criminals and ransomware threat actors are starting to adopt that as well. And I think maybe the you know the drive behind that is the fact that um, if if they do get someone to pay the ransom, they're very likely to pay it again later on. So why not sit in the weeds? you know, for a few months, let them recover and then ransom again, they don't even have to breach them again because they're already still breached. Um, (laughs) So maybe, maybe that's the thought behind that, but yeah, I I think that's, you know, that is a, a trend that, that we're starting to see is, you know uh, they have any desk and they have cobalt strike and they have, you know, uh, reverse socks proxies and, and they have all these back doors are dropping um, because they know that they, if they can maintain that access, they might get more bang for their buck. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, so, uh, yeah. you, you, you
0: know, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm just, I think I kept on interrupting you, Tony, because this is just so fascinating. I mean, I think a lot of people, you know, don't realize all the work that goes into like IR, you know, things you have to investigate. You kind of have to be an expert at so many different things like pen testing, uh, forensics, obviously uh, the investigation part of IR. Um, like like how, how, if someone's like getting started in, into this and they just want to get into IR, what, what would you suggest to them?
2: You know, that's that's interesting because I was just talking to a friend about this the other day. Um, He's wanting to get into this. He has a lot of, you know, uh, um, RMF like risk management framework, you know, government, you know, experience doing compliance type stuff. And he wants to get into incident response. And I said, you know, um, there's a you know, there's plenty of stuff out there that they could read about. They could read other people's reports um, and they you know, all the time they're, they're posting, you know, the IOCs and their hashes. And a lot of times those hashes. You can find him a virus total and you can download that malware. So what I recommended for him to do or anyone trying to get into it is to just kind of follow an investigation and try to maybe recreate it. Um, You can very easily create a lab, um, you know, know, in, you know, on a regular just laptop. You can run one virtual machine and you can run that malware and kind of in a controlled environment and you can kind of follow, you know, that investigation and see if you see the same thing. Um, and try to try to recreate their evidence that they they found and try to recreate the analysis and and redo the forensics that they did uh you know reverse engineering malware is is a great way i mean there's plenty of stuff on virus total and other uh virus databases where they can download that stuff and they can reverse engineer it there's plenty of free tools out there free um open source tools and they just can just go out there and practice and and uh, a, lot, a lot of the experience that I have, um, you know, uh, working in a lab is I, I go and I download web shells and I download, um, you know, different malware samples and I try to reinfect myself and see what happens. The Winds, I think the SolarWinds malware is still running in my lab right now, but it's not connected to the Internet. So it's in a controlled environment. And I just kind of see how those things work. And with the Winds, you know, uh, malware, you had to be on the domain um, so you had to be on a actual, uh, domain and, uh, I created a domain and ran it there, um, and, and just allowed right. it to, you know, kind of do its thing and try to fake it into thinking it's on the internet and it's actually working on a, on a real network and, you know, analyze it. So that would be my advice for anyone trying to get into it is just go out there and practice and, and, and download some of this stuff and, and try to recreate, uh, your, uh, the analysis that's already been done. I think that's good
0: advice. Yeah, that is great advice. I mean, I I think I'm I'm, I'm almost jealous of people that are starting into cybersecurity today because I know when I started off, there weren't as many resources. And now, like, everything is pretty much available on YouTube. Like, every class, like, sure, it may not be the quality you're looking for, but if you are disciplined enough and you're, uh, you know, motivated enough, I think you can find things on your own and get a lot of experience just
1: by studying on your own. I mean, Tony, what do you think about that? No, I totally agree. I I was smiling as john was kind of explaining you know what to do and have you i i sense and i feel the uh the excitement and the passion and it's it's an amazing combo if you have the passion and the excitement to get out there and sort of figure it out like you guys said i mean everything is at your fingertips it's all you know it's all available um you know the one thing i would you know just add in as well i you know i i think Whatever you do, whether you're doing IR, whether you're doing you know kind of tracing testing, uh, offense or you know defense, at the end of the day, for me, I always recommend if they're getting into it, um, you know, even your you know your buddy John, like you mentioned, where he was doing a lot of auditing work, you know, more than likely he may not know the foundational you know kind of technology on the endpoint side or you know the networking side. I, I, I always I always like to have them dig into the uh, just the the technology itself you know make sure you know how you know windows system administration sort of works you know know the the intricates of all the you know system you know co- uh, you know components the logging how does you know active directory work you know how does a you know, Linux environment work and all that stuff, I think, and in general, you know, Cisco networking, you know, just networking in general, understanding all the different routing protocols and all that stuff. I think, I know it's a lot of work, but I think you know when you have an understanding of how it's supposed to work, you know, you can start to figure out uh, what the adversary might be able to do to kind of mess it up and what possible, what I refer to as, you know, digital dust might be you know, maybe left behind that from an IR perspective, you can start kind of using to investigate.
2: You know, that's that's interesting, Tony, because you know, I um I have a lot of background in system administration, that's kind of how I got my start, and I use that almost every investigation, some way, somehow. There's something you know with exchange or something with you know SMB, you know, file shares that I remember from my system administration days, and a lot of us in cybersecurity have a background in that because you know cybersecurity you know uh a decade or two ago wasn't really as big right obviously so uh a lot of us did it on the side and so and and knowing how networks work and knowing how systems work and how windows works especially uh definitely can uh improve your um uh your analysis and help you during investigation. so that's a really good point tony yeah you know-
0: you know, Tony, uh, you know, I bet you who who, who else kind of wishes uh, so they knew a little bit more and did a little bit more of their own investigation is uh, Joe Sullivan, the former uh, former uh, Uber uh, security chief. Uh, I'm sure you guys are hearing on the news all the stuff that's going on with uh, the former security chief. But essentially, uh, there's a story out there. Uh, you know, this uh, Joe Sullivan, who used to work for Uber, um, was around during a data breach, attackers breached the Uber, uh, you know, claimed that they stole a lot of user data and uh, he ended up paying paying the ransom to get that data back. But uh, the way he paid the ransom was pretty interesting is uh, he actually, you know, uh, redirected the attackers to go to their bug bounty program, uh, had them register on the bug bounty program, and, uh, and then paid them off, uh, you know, through Bitcoins at that point to get the data back. And now, uh, now he's facing criminal charges for uh, a lot of things uh, going on. You know, there's this talk about conspiracy to cover up, uh, uh, you know, cover up, uh, you know, uh, this uh, breach attempt, uh, possible Hmm. fraud charges. There could be things involved with the SEC. Uh, Just a crazy amount of things going on. And uh, John, I definitely would like to get your opinion on this as well as you, Tony.
2: Yeah, um, I I was uh, reading about that earlier as well, and um, you know, it's um, it's becoming. pretty common that um you know a lot of customers uh that you know they they don't want to deal with some of this stuff i mean it just kind of goes back to the point where they want to kind of skip and go to recovery they don't want to deal with breaches because of uh you know the fear of maybe getting um you know in trouble or even fired um and i know we were kind of talking about this earlier a little bit too but I've been on cases where, you know, um, you know, certain individuals have confided in me and said, yeah, that person responsible for exchange and that vulnerability being there, they, they're, they they're getting fired uh, after this is uh, over and we clean this up. Um, so maybe there was some of that.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. It's like, it's always a tough one, man. I mean, as I think, uh, you know, if I was ever offered a job as a CISO, I, I just never would take it, man. It, it just doesn't make sense. Uh, there's just, it's so difficult, you know, I you know I think, uh, you know, to be able to protect and whatnot. And, you know, it's, I think there's a, not every organization, um, you know, some of the large ones, you know, sort of get it. But, you know, from a measurement perspective, I think, uh, you know, measuring the, the success on if you get breached or not, you know, get breached is, you know, maybe not sort of breached, but in uh, infected if there's a, you know, threat in your environment or not is really not a good measurement. You know, I always go back to they're going to get in. So just being able to quickly detect them and be able to do your analysis and then kind of do your, you know, your containment and your remediation and, you know, kind of get everything back up and running again, it probably is a better way of measuring I don't think everybody always sort of you know does that but it's a tough job Um, you know we always kind of battle here with sort of funding I mean how you get the right you know kind of technology in there I think some folks like like we face I see this every day where a lot of the organizations uh, they'll the easiest thing for them to do uh, is to invest in technology and that's what they do um, but I mean, at the end of the day, right, there's kind of people and this kind of process is all this stuff that has to be put in place. And a lot of them, uh, you know, will just sort of, you know, circumvent that. And even though, you know, the folks that are sort of running whether it's the, you know, CISO or the, you know, the security admins, you know, whatever their title is, they know that they need that stuff. But, you know, a lot of times they just don't have the opportunity to get it and they're really ah, their, you know, their hands are tied, you know, so they're kind of limited. So it's a tough one to be in. I don't know what the the whole answer is kind of for that. But I think my recommendation, you know, to anybody, right, is just make sure that uh, you've had some type of assessment, you know, whether internally or externally, things are documented on what's needed, why it's needed, what's the risk to the actual business. And as long as you actually, you know, at the end of the day, you present it, whether you get that funding or not, you have that actual data to back up. well, this is the, these are the things that I wanted to do um, to be able to you know uh, secure the environment. Here are the actual gaps that I had. as long as you have that sort of data, I mean I think uh, you know it, it helps, but I'm sure it don't help you sleep at night, right? Because I'm sure you know knowing that that those kind of gaps are out there, you know that's a hard one as well.
0: Yeah, it's it's not only the gaps. I mean, this case has me thinking about a whole bunch of things, you know, first of all, like, you know, if you are a CISO, you know, how much more, you know, dependent are you going to be in calling like outside help and outside auditors basically to, you know, you know, to cover your butt, right. To make sure that you have everything, you know, you know, you know, covered and you know, then what is that value of that CISO? More importantly, I've never heard of a data breach where someone individually is getting, you know, possibly sued or criminal charges against them. Uh, yeah you know in this case mr sullivan was a former prosecutor i believe so maybe he's being unfairly like uh you know kind of targeted by uh, by law enforcement or by uh by the da's office in this case but um you know i'm not i'm not sure but it's uh, at the same time uh, you know, what does that mean, right? What does that mean for, like, uh, future CISOs to, uh, you know, be in a row? Uh, wh- and I'm sure he, he can not be the only one that, you know, went in and uh, wrote, out, wrote down an expense report for 100000 in Bitcoins, right? There had to have been other people involved and approved that and approved that expense. So um, I'm not sure if he's really being, like, targeted or not, but it seems
1: like it's just uh, setting up a lot of questions. Yeah, I would say in my experience, um, in those types of decision makings, it's never just the CISO. I mean, it's it's usually you know, you have some, you know, some advice and some input, but at the end of the day, it's a, probably a, a decision that's being made by many others in the organization.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah and, no,
1: I, I agree. Go ahead, John, sorry.
2: I was just going to say, um, you know, the fact that he paid it out through the bug bounty program um, and that he could spend a hundred thousand dollars. I don't know how much bug bounty programs pay, but I mean that's a lot of money. And I would think it would have to go through, you know, like the CFO or something like that to get approved. Um there there had to be uh you know some some kind of approval process for that I would hope. But uh it's also um uh, interesting that maybe he was thinking ahead you know maybe maybe he knew that you know like like all companies they know they're going to get breached at some point. Uh, maybe he did this in in preparation. Maybe he had this bug bounty program set up to kind of sweep this under the rug, not really sure, but you know, the fact that, you know, he could have been targeted cause he was a prosecutor and and maybe um, maybe there's some people that didn't agree with wh- what he was doing as a prosecutor. Yeah. Maybe he was targeted. That's a, that's a, that's a good thought. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, kind of, kind of scary stuff that's out there. I mean, there's a lot of things happening this week. I think we're running out of time. We ha- want to discuss a few other things, but uh, we can definitely save that for the next show. John, it was great having you on here. But John, before we let you go, uh, we have to ask you a question <laughs> because we asked Talk all our guests the same question. I know <laughs> you're probably
1: not prepared for this, but uh, uh, Tony, uh, go, take it away. You can ask the question. Ah, let me see if I remember it right. let see if I can ask it right. So, John. Um, if uh, you wanted to have any type of superpower and you wanted to be any one of the, you know, superheroes, who would you be
2: and why would you want to be that superhero? That's a great question, Tony. I, you know, um, I have this consistent dream that i can fly (laughs) so (laughs) i I know a lot of maybe a lot of people have this dream and maybe there's some kind of meaning behind it i know there's like the whole dream you know uh book or whatever you can read on but i would want a superpower that allows me to fly and so obviously the one that comes to mind would be superman um because they can fly i'm not not necessarily because all the other powers because i mean he's pretty much invincible right um besides the kryptonite uh but the I, i would want at least a superhero that can fly and probably would go with superman
1: yeah, that's a good one. I think Amar and I, um, if, uh, you know, you looked in our closets, um, we'd have, uh, you know, Superman, uh, you would find, you know, Superman hats, you'd find, you know, Superman, you know, t-shirts. I think we're big, you know, Superman fans, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, oh, no, absolutely. Uh, I think uh, I think Tony also has like a a cape that sometimes he just wears randomly to the office in his cube. If you just <laughs> walk by, he might have a cape on, but uh, that's okay. We don't judge him for that. Uh, so, John, that's that is interesting because that that definitely tells us, like, uh, you know. You know, putting our, our little hats on, uh, analyzing you that you want to break out of that mold, you know, you know, kind of reach above the sky. Maybe maybe that's that That actually fits a lot. And what I see with someone, uh, someone with doing IR investigations is to kind of like like save people as well. Right. So uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm reading a little too much into that. But uh, but, I, but I think that would uh, fit per- perfectly from just a little bit of a have learned about you today.
2: Yeah, for sure. I, I uh, take that as a compliment. I appreciate it. <laughs> Awesome.
0: Well, we really appreciate you joining us. Hopefully you can come back and just uh, chat with us on like other things happening in the cyber world, but we really enjoyed learning about your background and what you do. And thank you. Um, Tony, I'll give you the last words. If you have anything to add.
1: Ah, I don't have any last words. Um, Yeah. I just want to kind of echo, you know, what Amar said. Thanks for kind of coming on, John. It's always a, you know, kind of a pleasure having some conversation with you. I don't get to talk to you as much these days, you know, at work and what have you, but uh, Hey, for a fellow marine you know it's always you know nice to exchange some war stories and i'm still still a little bit concerned about the army thing but uh (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna overlook it for now (laughs) no that's it man really appreciate it john
2: Uh, yep yep thanks for having me guys